All right, folks, welcome to Nino's Corner.tv. I am joined again one, uh, once again with Ali Siadatan. I said it right that time, right, Ali? Yeah, wonderful. Got it. <laughs> I butcher everyone's last name. Anyway, folks, this is a good one. This is going to be the cosmic tale. He's basically, you're basically going to wrap up everything that we've talked about in the last past episodes in this this episode, this final episode. If you want it to be the final, I enjoy talking to you. But uh, so he's going to wrap it up into the cosmic tale of all things. But first, folks, let me knock this out. Keto with Nino. Keto with Nino. There's a secret diet that many celebrities, CEOs, athletes, and 12.9 million other Americans use. It's the keto diet, and it's considered an efficient way to reach weight loss goals, increase energy levels, and enhance mental focus. I'm on the keto diet myself, but progress can be slow because it takes time for the body to stop using energy from carbs. That's why I've switched to this amazing keto powder. It helps increase ketone levels in the body without the strict rules associated with the traditional keto diet results. Uh, diet, uh, so results like a boosted metabolism came sooner for me. Increase the level of ketones in your body today with it. Keto with Nino is notorious for selling out due to their high demand. If you order now, you'll get 51% off right now. you got to order right now for 51% off shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get yours while you still can by going to the link below, folks. Hit the link below. Alcom, well, Ali, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me, Nino. I'm excited about these. I love these because I feel like it's the unknown history what what we were not privileged to learn in school you know schools to me are indoctrination camps and everything i thought i've learned to be true was in my opinion now false i mean the more interviews i do with you and other guests on my show i'm like man i really didn't know anything totally the school is there just to make us a cog in a wheel yeah in the wheel of the economy that's it's not really to educate us it's just the and if you go and study some of the stuff that school offers that actually educates you, it won't get you a job. Right. So, you know, it's a funny thing. Um, the, um, there's a mystery. There's a revelation that comes because, you know, we're, we are in a war. Like there's two sides to this. There's, there's a dark and a light. And part of war is strategy is all about deception. It's making people f- think something other than reality. I mean, that's really the heart of all strategies, deception. Um, the 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 way that this whole cosmic tale comes together i find it very powerful and the reason i shared with people is because as an inquiring mind it made a lot of sense to me once i found it i was like wow i think everything fits you know this could actually be true right and 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 so i find it's compelling and as people are looking for answers in life it's worth for them to examine this um so let me just launch into it if that's good with you yeah absolutely Okay, um, so basically, um, the, the whole cosmic tale of, of human history and of life, um, there are many ways that a person can, can, can look into it. Life is a mystery because we don't even know where the earth is. I mean, where is the universe? We don't know. So we don't have a context to define how we as earth fit in it. So we don't really know where we are because we don't know where the universe is, which means that that's how little we know about life. We don't even know where we are. How did we get here? Who are we? What's going on? And people can invent their own answers. I'm following uh, the mystery as it's revealed in the Bible. It's a very powerful document that has, you know, shaped civilization. Um, And there's characters in our story. So one of the characters is humanity, man, like you and I. 
And if you go into the chapter 10 of the book of Genesis, it gives you the birth of civilization. And in the 19th century, archaeologists uh, from Europe went down to Mesopotamia, which is modern day Iraq, the cradle of civilization, to see if they could actually dig up any of the stuff mentioned in the most ancient books of the Bible. The reason they did that was, this is the brief story. Basically, Napoleon was at war with the British in Egypt. And Napoleon's soldiers, they were bored, they're sitting down, and they started to make drawings of the Sphinx of the pyramid. And a lot of stuff was buried underground. And look at these drawings. They're just, a, just tips of them are pushing out of the desert sand over the course of centuries. You know, the, the, the winds brought the desert sand to cover these things. And they came, they, these drawings made it to France. And there's these societies that would, they were called the Salon. They would sit around, they, they would talk about alternative spirituality. Um, and they, they kind of fell in love with, with these ancient mysteries. And suddenly these European guys said, wait a second, is it possible that some of these ancient cities that we hear about um, in Greek writing and in the Bible are actually there somewhere in the world and we could go dig it up? Mm. I mean, is this even possible? The idea came to them. And so it, it was like an epiphany. It was an epiphany. And, and so they got together and they formed a new science that didn't exist. They called it archaeologos, archaeology. Arche means old. Logi, logos means knowledge, the knowledge of old things. And, and when was this was in the Napoleon era? Well, Napoleon was in the 18th century when these paintings came. By the time these guys took shape was the early 1800s. So Napoleon was in the 1700s and it was early 1800s that this came together this archaeology in, a, in, in, in the early 19th century. And um, they had two, the two things they were looking for. One was um, Homer, this Greek writer, he wrote the Odyssey. And he, Ulysses, his uh, uh, hero, was going from port city to port city. And they wanted to know if these cities were actually real. And the other was the Bible. And that was because Western culture was based on these two pillars, of Greek civilization and of the Hebrew Bible. And the idea was with the archaeology, if we can prove that these things are actually real or have some reality, then we can say that our civilization is not built on myth, that Western civilization has solid foundations. It's based on reality. And this was their mission. And, and so in 1843, they started to dig up uh, Mesopotamia the oldest civilization uh, of the human race, where the first cities of the world appeared. And that is where the Bible places Noah and his children after the flood. They come down and it takes time. I mean, the Bible sometimes covers like hundreds of years or thousands of years when it comes to the ancient books in a verse. So you have to understand, you know, that they came down from the mountain and settled in the land of Shinar, which is what Mesopotamia is. And, um, but, you know, it took time for the waters to come down. And so um, um, my mind goes in a million different, because, you know, we have time is limited. How much do I include? You know, thinking I went and I saw those mountains and it's incredible. I was like at 12,000 feet high and it's plains up there. You can live up there. It's not like the Himalayas where it's like mountains that are so sharp. Wow. You're 12,000 feet high and you can totally have like farming up there. And, you wow. know, that when people started to look into the, uh, the, the fertile crescent where farming and husbandry and like, uh, call, you know, stuff you, that you can domesticate, like uh, wheat and barley and animals that you can domesticate, all this stuff and, and the first cities, 
But the oldest evidence of farming is in the highest altitudes. And this is something they can't figure out. Why would they go up there to farm and not in the lowlands? Well, because after the flood, it took time for the waters to recede. And so they were starting at top. Even the oldest temples, the oldest ziggurat in the world, which is in Iran, is very high in altitude. These massive temples they wow. were building to worship their gods. And that's again because so eventually they came and they people settled. People were living at higher altitudes back then. Yes. And, because and of I've the been, flood. Yes. And I've been to these mountains that are right around Iraq. Like the, 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 basically they make an L. They go up from the Persian Gulf, up Iraq, and then they turn right towards the Himalayas. And this is the protective barrier that places wow. Iran in a high altitude. And I've been on top of these mountains, like 12,000 feet high I went. And, and I couldn't believe there's like a, there was a ski resort with a hotel up there. And I could see um, all these mountain peaks uh, coming out of the clouds. And it was plains, like plains. You could walk around easily. You could farm. It wasn't like these rugged mountain edges where you have to be a climber. I took this uh cable car up there you know it was a 45 minute cable car that took me all the way up there uh 12,000 feet high and 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 so there was a lot going on even on the way up there there was like a target training you know you want to study how to do archery or or just shoot guns for fun they've set up stuff on the way up you you know you, uh, you know just for entertainment so what the bible says that these guys came down and then they settled in the valley of Shinar which is Iraq which is Mesopotamia and then they started to build, it says here in Genesis chapter 11, um, the entire earth had the same language and the same vocabulary when they traveled eastward. So they came you know, from the east and they settled, um, they found a valley plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Um, they said to one another, come, let's make bricks and bake them until they're hard so that they use bricks for stone and tar for mortar. And when archaeologists went down there, they said to themselves, you know what, some of these older cities in the Bible are probably mythological. The oldest civilization we're ever going to discover is the Assyrian one, which uh, ended in 611 BC. So 700 years before Christ, in 7th century before Christ, that's going to be the oldest. We're never going to find anything older than that because it's probably mythological. But when they got down there, they started digging in 1843, they started to discover these, you know, libraries of the Assyrians, like the library of Ashurbanipal, and it talked about older civilizations to the south. And they're like, really? There's, they started to dig. And in 1850, they discovered Babylon. In the gates of Babylon, the gates of Ishtar, is in the Museum of Berlin today. It's huge. You got to see this thing dedicated to the goddess Ishtar. And the, the walls of Babylon were so wide that four chariots could have horse races on the walls. And so they found the city of Babylon, and then they eventually decided, you know, by 1860, that they were going to dig deeper in the south. And they went to the south, and they found not only the, ancient, the most ancient cities of human civilization, but they found the cities that the Bible talks about in mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 10, right after the flood, the sons, grandsons, and great-grandsons of Noah, their names are on the cities that these guys found wow. like, and, I could, and i could go through the names like madai you know the 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 great median the, the medes built an empire you know madai was the son of japheth mezraim the founder of egypt to this day egypt is called mesr in arabic and in persian and mezraim in hebrew because the founder of it was this guy the son of ham nimrod the first uh you know 
type of the war leader in the Bible. He built these four cities, like they're mentioned in the Bible. All of them have been discovered. Like Nimrod, um, the beginning of his kingdom, um, uh, the beginning of his kingdom include Babel, Babylon, Erech. That's the city of Uruk, where Iraq gets named from. We've dug this thing up. It was like Venice. They had deflected the Tigris River, and they were using the river uh, to build canals. And they would go around like in gondolas, you know, and it was beautiful what these guys had built. We've dug it up. Um, Akkad, Kalne, in the land of Shinar, you know, this is... So you're able, when you dig this up, you're able to know exactly how it looked back then? Somewhat? Um, like we have a pretty good idea, yeah. We have a pretty good idea. And because there's enough left, for instance, we can see the pillars. Even the oldest city in the world, Eridu, um, has pillars of a temple. So like the fact that we have pillars and a roof... That's the way it's been from the beginning. That's and, and, and what's interesting is that the oldest discoveries, first of all, the, the cities in the south, which were the oldest ones, were the most advanced. And that was like, how is that? Ali, Ali you go on these excavation sites? Or I have that, been as many as expeditions? I've, been, I've, I've gone to a lot of archaeological sites in Israel and in Iran. I, I want to go to Iraq. I want to actually take my camera, but because it's too much uh, political tension, it's dangerous. I spoke with the with the team that dug up Eruk, Erek, and basically they they dug it up. They found everything uh, that is mentioned in the tale of Gilgamesh. But Gilgamesh was a Nephilim king. He was half human, half you know uh, a god, and he was an, one of these giants. And um, people thought it's, it's just a myth, but it says in the tale of Gilgamesh that the gods moved the waters of the Euphrates and they buried him in the banks. Now the waters of the Euphrates have come down and we have found that tomb. And using this electromagnetic instrumentation, they can see that there's a huge uh, opening underneath the river bank. They haven't been able to dug it up because uh, it got uh, the, the war has started in Iraq. So I spoke with the, the team that went down there. I spoke with the head of the one who does the electromagnetic uh, stuff from the University of Munich. And, and, and I called him just out of the blue, right? I wanted to talk to him. And he's like, did someone tell you? I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, well, I just came back from there. We just went to see if he was safe enough to now dig up the tomb. And this oh, would be wow. a huge discovery for people who follow these things because it would really bring his character to life that people thought was mythological because he was, you know, how it was, he was one of these giant kings like Goliath. But more and more, we discovered that his kingdom, his city, and even the details of his burial seemed to be very real. Um, how big was the stature of this man? How big was this man if he's a giant? Do you know, like, oh, oh how, how tall was he? Yeah. Um, no, I don't know how tall he was, but if you Google Gilgamesh, you know, I, I, I suspect maybe he was anywhere between, I would put him in the nine to 12 feet tall. Yeah, so he, he was one of the older older giants. They get smaller and they got smaller, right? Because they get, they, I just had Dustin, us. I had Dustin Nemos on talking about this, and he was saying that throughout time, the giants that were so big just they started getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, because of processed food. No, I'm kidding. Because they <laughs> mingled, they mingled with us, and 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 they they started to have families. With, they their bloodlines mixed with us. That's why so we they all play for the NBA now. What? They yeah, all could be in the, the NBA. NBA. <laughs> they, could, they could all be in the NBA. So the, the one day we went down there in Mesopotamia, they started to dig in the south, and they found these cities. And they actually realized, because they could read the tablets, that the oldest city, the oldest civilization was called 
the Sumerian civilization, the French archaeologist who, who named it Sumerian because he couldn't pronounce Shumer, he pronounced it Sumerian. And that's exactly where the Bible says these guys landed, the land of Shinar. That's the Hebrew for Sumerian. So not only did civilization begin after the flood where the Bible says it begun, but it actually, bear, cities bear the name and address of what the, the children of Noah and their grandsons created. And even the shape of what they created, brick and mortar, it says they said, let's make brick and mortar. Everything we found there is make a brick. I mean, Google the ziggurat, Z-I-G-G-U-R-A-T, ziggurat. It was these temples of Ur, the city of Ur, one of the oldest cities of the world. And the ziggurat is there. And it's really you know fun for me to see like the American army when it entered Iraq standing at the ziggurat of Ur, just like, you know, something that's 4,000 years old. And, and, and empire after empire, you know, is, is building and standing on top of each other. The mortar that's talking about is called naphtha. So the, the, the oil, it's a petroleum byproduct. It just flows naturally to the surface of the ground. And these guys, it's like tar, basically. Betumen is the official English name. They would take it, they would just take, you know, and then they would use it as, as mortar. And they had found... Uh, the perfect temperature to bake clay um, in their kilns, they invented that, where their clay tablets, we have over 1 million clay tablets of their writings. And we haven't deciphered all of them because people have to go where to Where are those being held at? In the British Museum of Civilization, most of it. Um, and so we now could see a lot about how the world began, and it matches the Bible in an eerie fashion. The the guy who dug this stuff up, well, one of the guys was digging it up, this guy here, uh, George Smith. So George Smith uh, from England, you know, when they were going and digging these tablets up, um, they had a deal with the Daily Telegraph, which was uh, a British newspaper they would give them the news of the of the finds as they would come out in exchange for being sponsored to do the digs financially. Mm -hmm. And the reason they did that was because people in England were just on the edge of their seats waiting for the next thing. At the same time where Darwin's ideas or hypothesis was going around, it was as though God was blowing the sand off the desert of the ancient cities of the Bible and bringing the biblical view of, of the civilization of Noah to life. And this was happening at the exact same time Darwin was studying yes. preaching yeah. theory of evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darwin's ideas had come. And here, so Daily Fair, which was printed in that paper in the fourth, so like in 1875, you know, having recently made a series of important discoveries relating to the book of Genesis among some remarkable texts, which form part of the collection presented at the British Museum by the proprietors of the Daily Telegraph, I venture once more to bring Assyrian subjects before your readers. And so in the, in the 19th century, like in the second half of the 1800s, these guys are digging the book of Genesis up. And it's as though God is blowing the sand, the desert off uh, the evidence uh, uh, of the Bible's account of human history and the birth of civilization. And so that's where it all started. And the Bible then follows the story of these empires um, there, there's the civilization in the south, the land of Shinar. That's where all the knowledge came from. The cities in the north, let's say Babylon and then the Assyrian cities, they drew from the ancient Sumerian cradle, the original civilization at the very south of Iraq, the land of Shinar, 
where the Bible says these guys sailed. And that's something that archaeologists don't understand. How, why was the older city more advanced? Because when these guys were, were living, you know, hundreds of years before the flood, they were connected to the world of God and angels. They were very civilized, very advanced, even, um, and, and they just went through a, a cataclysm, but they were suit and tie people. They were civilized people. When the waters receded, they had all this knowledge and they were able to restart civilization on the other side. And one of the most interesting things we found, for me at least, is called the Sumerian King List, the, the Sumerian List of Kings. The, it's the oldest government document of humans. It lists the kings of the first cities of the world, their, where they reigned, the name, and their dates. And we have found a lot of these cities. But what's interesting is in the middle of it, there's a break and it says, and here was the flood. And after the flood, kingship descended in the city of Kish, which we have on earth. And we can see clearly that Kish was one of the earliest royal cities of the world. Mm. And, and it's, it's so, so, you know, it's interesting how we found a lot of writings that talked about the world before the flood fr from these guys. So what Even, was the world like before the flood? It was civilized, um, meaning that they had knowledge of architecture, of astronomy. Um, uh, were they as advanced or more advanced than we are now? I think they were pretty advanced. I think that, you know, those tales of Atlantis and all that stuff, they're pretty advanced because they, one thing that happened before the flood is the story of the sons of God who came and built a civilization. They were angels. They're fallen angels. They created a civilization before the flood and they gave specific bodies of knowledge that are outlined in the book of Enoch, the uh, who was a man who lived at that time, and we still have his writings. I think that Noah took it out of the flood because it says, Enoch says that he's God's first scribe. He's the first person to ever write down the decrees of God. And in fact, and that writing, has been completely removed out of the Bible. It is in, in our Bibles, but it is part of the Ethiopian Bible. Um, and it was a book that was very much... Uh, consulted by Jewish people before Christianity and the early church considered it a very important wisdom book and it is quoted in the letter of Jude in the New Testament. Okay. He quotes right out of it a prophecy of the second coming of Christ. In the book of Enoch, written before the flood, wow. Jude quotes a prophecy of the second coming of Christ in, in the in New Testament to show that this is the next stop on the prophetic right. timeline. And so there was a lot of evidence, that, you know, this is one of the characters of our cosmic tale is humans. So humanity starts in the cradle of civilization. That is where farming comes from. That's where uh, um, has, uh, the um, um, domestication of animals comes from. That is where the first cities of the world come from. That's where religion comes from. That is where the first empires come from. And, and so from there, uh, as we move forward, these guys you know, live in, in the south of Iraq. They live in, in, in Iran. Like Elam, the son of Shem, he creates the Elamite civilization in the south of Iran, where you we, you can find similarly ancient ziggurats, all still standing, you know, that are like uh, you know at least at least three thousand years old, probably older, four thousand. So, is this like round two? Okay, yeah, ding, ding. Ding, let's do it. They're happening so, all morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> During the morning show, they ring the doorbell. I'm like, wow, that's a really loud doorbell. All right, go ahead. 
<laughs> it's the doorbell. Good. So, so from there, humanity launches forward and we've got the empires that begin. So the Bible starts to talk about what's going to happen to this human race, what's happened to it, and where is it going to go? Another portion, another tale, and I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about that, but I want to present the characters for a story. Another tale is the angels. Now, the world of angels in the Bible is very different from the fairy tale view that we have of them. Um, angels are part of the created order, like us. They're confined to rules and regulations of how the laws of physics. They learn, you know, they're not omniscient, omnipresent. They're thinking beings. They learn, they grow, etc. And these guys we see give um, knowledge to the human race uh, that we can actually absorb and, uh, you know, function through knowledge that we would consider to be science, the knowledge of astronomy, of chemistry, of pharmaceuticals, of how to create weaponry. I mean, you look at um, the the weaponry that poured out of the Nazis. I mean, if people are not familiar with this, you, you basically the rest of the industrial world was here. The Nazis were here. The stuff that these guys were creating in the 1940s is was at least 50 years ahead of its time. Stealth bombers, supersonic airplanes, jets, rockets. Um, I mean, that's how when, when the Soviet Union and America defeated Germany, it was what we pulled out of Germany that launched the, the the modern armies that you see with all this uh, airplanes and rockets and the whole you know idea of going into space NASA program came directly out of the Nazi rocket technology you know so, so the NASA program no... actually came from the Nazis yes completely uh, Did that have to, anything to do with Project Paperclip or anything like that uh, I have to look into that to uh, I don't know but. The the um, uh, one of the Nazi scientists defected to America, and he basically said that he wasn't a Nazi; that he was forced by Hitler to do this. That his passion was to figure out space travel, and he basically created the um, the space travel, uh, the rockets that went to the moon. Um, and so, um, Oppenheimer, I think his name was. So basically, wow. this this whole um, idea that science was given to the people before the flood that the birth of uh you know it says in the book of enoch that they taught us how to build swords um breastplates shields and you have to understand something about the sword all the weapons that in the pre-industrial world people used were farming instruments the sword is the only weapon that has no farming use its only purpose is to kill another man it, it is it, dis, it distinguishes itself and it is the master weapon once you master the sword you will have access to all the weapons you have to do it to understand it but basically this whole thing about um the world before the flood having all this knowledge poured into it by the fallen angels and then god coming and destroying it through the waters of the flood this is well established in ancient literature in oral traditions um from in all around the world it was it was this one guy that decided for all of us that the stuff that was being dug up archaeologically out of Mesopotamia, he gave it another explanation. He said, you know, guys, none of this really happened the way that these guys tell us in their stories or the way the Bible tells it to us. And people said to him, well, how did it happen, sir? Um, and he said, well, uh, farmers uh, were hunter-gatherers. One farmer or maybe a few farmers had a moment of genius, they came up with farming, then they sat around, they, could, they didn't have to run around uh, looking for their food, and they then had the idea 
to have mathematics and writing and, and architecture and astronomy and medicine and, and the world as we know it suddenly appeared and this became the official story that we were taught in university like you were saying and in school but actually, right, that's exactly what i was taught and now i'm realizing that is there could be nothing further Gordon child that is the idea of gordon child one man one guy took the research of, of all of this archaeology that was confirming the biblical account and he repackaged it because he was a disciple of Stalin, uh, Gordon Child was, and, and he was um, an atheist and he was a, a communist. And he decided for all of us that this would be the way that, that we, the intelligent monkeys who stopped running after our food and were, we then gave birth to civilization. But actually, both the ancient accounts that we took from the libraries of Mesopotamia and the Word of God, the Bible, tells us that the birth of the world order and civilization was the result of interaction with the angelic world. That God seeded the life, the earth with life, and then seeded that life with knowledge. The story of Moses, he goes on top of this mountain, Mount Sinai in Arabia, and he gets you know, all this knowledge, which becomes the foundation of the Bible, the first five books. And the Hebrew civilization is born and has this immense history that, that is with us to this day. You mean, turn on the news and it'll be about Israel. Um, and the teachings of God as handed down through Moses become the foundation of our laws here in North America, as well as our value system of what we consider to be right or wrong, even though this was given 3,000 years ago. But this is the story of Muhammad and the birth of Islam. This is the story of the Code of Hammurabi and many of the ancient civilizations where they received algorithms of knowledge from the gods that formed you know, the basis of their civilization. Um, the Avesta of the Zoroastrians, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Enuma Elish of the Mesopotamian. So there was a huge amount of, this is the Hindu, the Vedic texts. All the civilizations attribute their genesis to knowledge handed down by the gods. And this is what the Mesopotamian tablets recorded. It's called, they called it Meh, M-E. You can go on Wikipedia. There's a list of the Meh. Because when they got, the archaeologists got to the south of Iraq, they were surprised that even the oldest city was completely civilized. And they were like, how is this possible? No matter how far back we go in time, we keep digging up civilization. And the oldest cities is even more advanced than the one to the north. How is that possible? Well, well then, then what about cave drawings and things like that? Like, Where does that stand in the history of time? Like, Was that yes. just millions of years ago? Or no. I mean, seriously, because that, that kind of throws a monkey wrench into this as well, right? I mean, well, if you the, go and the, see... The beginning of the cave drawings i mean it's just handprints yeah. and animals and i mean yeah, who, yeah. who are they who are they okay so basically um I'll, I'll give you the explanation that i have found it doesn't mean it's true but it's just you know what i found um one thing we do have to take into consideration is that um when we're looking at very ancient things we can't expect to figure it all out right however when we follow the story of the bible forward we see that the empires that came from these civilizations from these children and grandchildren of Noah and, and the cities they created, some of them grew to become empires um, and they still bear their names. And so as we follow the story forward, we see that the prophecies of the Bible come true. We see that there's huge amount of evidence uh, for the birth of these civilizations. And, and of course, we know all the empires that came from there, um, the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Greek, the Roman, etc. 
And we see that even the prophecies that were about the world of empires and where it's all going to go have consistently come true. So the ancient cities, like even Jerusalem, the Jewish people, the Romans, all these people that the Bible talks about, the Persians, they're still with us. Um, the prophecies come true. Archaeology supports the origin of civilization. And the connection with God does occur when a person accepts the Lord, the Holy Spirit does come. And so we can see that there are many ways of verifying this information. But when we look at the most ancient parts of it, I made a huge discovery that God, God I think, revealed to me that, that the word Elohim, it means both God and angels. It, the world, there's a word in the Bible that is applied to, for the name of God, but it also can mean angels. And so when you look into the story of creation, what you see is that there is the story of a plurality. God says, let us make man in our image. And who is this the hour? And uh, or Christianity, like, you know, Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant Christianity assumes that this is the Trinity because the idea in Christianity is that there's a Trinity. And so what I discovered was that this could actually be God and his angels. And that would be very accurate. Biblically, Which could be... A multitude. So God created... Extraterrestrials? Uh, uh, no, uh, extraterrestrials are Darwinian concept. The Bible okay. sees the, uh, that we're in the we're in the heavens and on the earth, and these beings that come and go are the hosts of the heavens, and we are the hosts of the earth, and we are together in one giant story under God. The idea that you know we evolved here and others evolved elsewhere, and now they're visiting the earth—that paradigm is a completely different paradigm. And in a way, you have to make a choice: Are you going to go with Darwin's thinking? Or are you going to go with creationism? If you go with the idea that God planted all of this, then uh, the people that visited the ancient world and the people that continue to visit us today, the modern-day UFO phenomena, are accounted for in the pages of the Bible and mm. presented as what in modern Christian, we just call them angels. But the Bible has many names for them. Angel is just one single term. So um, the um, when God says, let us make man in our image, and what you see is a plurality uh, of of beings that God creates in their image, and God says, "Go and fill the earth, subdue it, and uh, you know the the fish of the sea and everything. It's yours." And then we have a second story, in my opinion, that usually Christian scholars see as a repeat of the first story. I don't. I see that it's a second story, the story of the one who is made in the image of God himself, because then the name of God is introduced into the story. It's no longer plural. It becomes singular. And it says that the Lord God, which is the English translation of the Hebrew when Yahweh, which is the name that God reveals to Moses at Mount Sinai, let us you know, make man in our image. That's the first story of creation. Then God says, that, that, that there was one guy, Adam, made in the image of God. He wasn't told to go and fill the whole earth. He was told to sit put in an enclosure, which had four rivers. Two of them still flow, the Euphrates and Tigris, you know, that flew out of that, uh, that garden. He was placed there. He was, there's only one of them. At some point in his life, God decided that he was going to take, you know, his DNA and clone a female version for him. And that's, you know, that's how we got the, uh, the, the Eve. And, and these guys were not filling the whole earth and subduing it. So there was other people running around doing all of this. These guys were in the garden. And so I think that, that the, the guys who were, who were kind of those, you know, hunter-gatherers, we call let, them. Let me ask you this. When they say they, they created Eve out of like Adam's rib, 
Yeah. Could this have been like and done in a laboratory and done like with the DNA of the rib? And yeah, made- I, the the word for rib in Hebrew, um, you know, comes from at least some people will say it comes from this Akkadian word, which can also mean life, meaning that the word can mean life. And now we know that your DNA is in every cell and that you don't need a whole bone to create anybody. You can just take one cell. We know that. I don't think God needs a laboratory, but I think that God is using the processes of his own sacred creation. And we as his children have access to these processes. And so do the angels. That's why when they come to the earth before the flood, the kind of knowledge that they speak into our world is what we today would classify as science because they know more about how God's creation operates because they've been here longer and we're just learning. So this is high knowledge. The fact that we can break the atom in two and decipher DNA and travel into the heavens, whether it's the first heaven with our airplanes or the second heaven with our rockets, this is the kinds of stuff that is angelic and divine. This is the knowledge of the world of God and angels. That's why we're so different from everything else that's on the planet. Even the dolphins, they're very, you know, uh, smart. I was watching this comic and he was saying, you know, the dolphins, they're so smart, they could have a civilization, but they're frustrated because the reason they can't do it is because they don't have hands. <laughs> so so they'll, be, they'll be like a dolphin. He's like, I got a great idea for a novel, but unfortunately. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, Isn't you know, there, like, aren't there brains like comparable to a human being? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're very smart, but... No, but the, I don't know, you know, how smart they, how smart That'd they are. That'd be frustrating. Well, yeah, frustrating. You know, the dolphin that comes up with an extension of hands, one day it comes up, like, look what I created. We can do it. We'll take them. Okay. Uh, so, the, the, but we're different. And, and this is kind of our story. It begins uh, and involves these beings. And this is what the Mesopotamian tablet said, because when they got to the south, they're like, how did these guys come up with civilization? We don't see the evidence of a gradual evolution. There's advanced mathematics, advanced architecture from the beginning. There's, there's, they did brain surgery. The Mesopotamians performed brain surgery. Even the Greeks and Romans did surgery. Uh, so so th- this was ancient, tra- you know. So where did they get this knowledge from? Well, they turned to the libraries of Mesopotamia to see their own story and they said we got it from the gods the way that moses said the way that muhammad said the way that the vedic sex said that it came that was given to us and these guys couldn't accept that that's why they went gordon child's explanation that a bunch of hunter gatherers turned into farmers so um the, the, and they taught that so they're, they're them hiding them. the entire fact that this was all all knowledge was given to us yes they're what they're saying yeah. I, not true what, what really happened is we evolved from monkey fish to monkey from a single cell organism to fish to monkey right and then into yes. everything that's happening now was like the first time ever on earth basically yeah and and, and then we eventually stopped hunting our food and we, we could sit down and talk to each other and we came up with civilization and now we're inside of this dark thing. We don't know what it is. It's called outer space. And we're going to document it scientifically over the course of centuries. So telescopes, and maybe we'll figure out what's going on. So that is a totally alternative view of reality. The Bible presents its own version of reality, but it actually adds up. But you really have to start, like, you know, digging into it. So what do you have to say to people who believe that the earth is flat or there's firmament? But, I mean, it could... Could, yeah, could, yeah. We could say we don't know what it is. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to jump on the bad wagon and say it's flat, but could it be, could there be an ice barrier around the, the which is the Antarctic, 
And well, I mean, yeah. is there are possibilities in this? What are, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, my focus is on deciphering the Bible. Um, beyond that, it, you know, it's like speculation unless you actually get in it and go. Um, Achaemenes, you know, he was this ancient Greek guy. He did an experiment of measuring, measuring the shadow. But his idea was that if the earth were flat, they would come at a time in the day where there would be no shadow because the sun would vertically be on top of, you know, everything uh, where you're standing. But, but he, he measured that the shadow weaned, like the shadow elongated and came down. And he said that this could only happen if the earth was curved that the shadow would become longer and smaller. And then he was able to measure the distance between two cities and discover the, the, the distance of the curvature of the earth. But regardless of all of these ideas, for me, that's not like a huge idea. Like that's a make and break thing. I see that, that the Bible says, you know, that the earth is the center and you know, God's going to put his kingdom here for a while. And why would the sun and the moon go, you know, um, um, why would we go around the sun if we were the center of God's kingdom? Wouldn't it be more appropriate for the sun to go around us? I see the theological arguments that are weaved into this. Um, but for me, the conspiracy that we're trying to um, open up, the lie that's over us, it has to do more about the larger nature of our identity. Like you were saying, are we the children of God? Are we, you know, monkeys? Um, uh, are we part of the cosmic tale of the Bible with a destiny that uh, the prophets tell us and we can now understand what's happening in our generation and where it's all going? Or are we here because of random chance and with no direction? And these are kind of, for me, the bigger questions that we're trying to you know, unfold. And I'm, what I've discovered is that reality has been designed for us because I'm able to compare it to the account of the Bible. And once I realized that this story is actually true, then I was shocked at the version of reality that was taught to us in the school system and how different it was from, from this reality. It's essentially delusional. Like Gordon Child's idea is completely delusional and biased. He could have said, well, I don't know, these ancient people believe knowledge was given to them and so does the Bible. I don't. I think this is how it happened. And they could have taught us both versions and we would have decided for ourselves. I mean, that's what free thinkers No, do. but they taught it that as the new gospel, basically, science. That's it. As Secular. Right. Right, right. Yes, yeah, secularism. And that's because after the flood, when God destroyed the civilization of the sons of God and their giant offsprings, the Nephilim, God allowed these beings, and it says that in, in Genesis um, um, chapter 32, in, sorry, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, and this was a discovery that God led me to in the year 2000, where I discovered that actually um, the most ancient Hebrew copies of the Bible that are found in Dead Sea Scrolls and the most ancient Greek copy of the Bible had a verse that was different from what is in our Bibles. And the, the, it says that when God divided the nations, he, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8 and 9, it says when God divided the nations and fixed their boundaries, their borders, and, you know, for the different, God decides where these guys are going to live and settle the way he decides where the animals are, are, are on the planet. I mean, the animals, they come from different specific places, right? Um, that he did so according to the number. When he set the boundaries of the nations, he did so according to the number of the sons of God. So these characters that formed the civilization before the flood, they continue to have a destiny after the flood. 
they become the rulers of the empires. They become the rulers of the nations. And then in the next verse, it says that God chose Jacob for his own inheritance. So God separated a small tribe of Israel because Jacob's name becomes Israel for himself. And he spoke through the prophets of Israel and eventually came as one of them. Uh, you know, the son of David, the son of God, and then send his Holy Spirit from Jerusalem into the nations and so and his gospel. Um, I mean, from he sent his Holy Spirit from from the temple of the heart of time and space. So the the uh, the nations were now under the under the rule of these beings who then presented themselves as gods to them and gave them alternative views of reality. And that's what the ancient religions were. They all promised you a way to the realm of the gods and immortality if you obeyed them. They gave codes of civilization and law. The Mesopotamians, because the older Mesopotamian tablets have very basic writings on them, like they, they count how many uh, barrels of beer were handed to a city or how many bushels of wheat were taken from one town to the other. Then suddenly we see this leap forward of, I think, 700 characters because they, they made little pictures, like the Chinese characters. And that was the beginning of writing. And it came from the city of Uruk, where Gilgamesh this, uh, was king. And that's where writing started in 3500 uh, BC. That is the date for it. So 5,500 years ago from the city of Uruk, writing emanated. And what's interesting is that they tell us that the writing was handed down to them by the gods, the queen of heaven, she gave it to her scribes, in order to record the laws of the gods. That was the purpose of writing. And if you look at it, as I said, all the civilizations their worldview comes down from these laws handed by the gods, including the God of Israel, recorded in these tablets. That forms reality. They are not visiting our world. We are living in the world born of the matrix, like, you know, the movie Matrix. They have given us the matrix of reality through their laws, through their worldview systems. And they, and then the, the nations began to worship these fallen angels the way that Israel was invited to worship the God of gods. That's what he's called, the God of gods. The God of the Bible is called in the Bible, the God of gods. He is the leader of these beings, right? Now, are these beings really God and his angels or are they aliens? Again, that, that requires more research. And because the story of the Bible adds up in both spiritually and historically and prophetically, my leaning is in the direction of this is all real. The, the characters are exactly who the Bible says who they are. I don't believe in Darwin's perspective, nor do I believe that uh, I, I know uh, how, what's happening in the rest of the universe. I can't assume that life evolved here and it evolved elsewhere and they came right. and, hum and humanized these aliens and project human thinking into their thinking. But I can see that the Bible provides... An understanding of how the world divided was divided that matches the what actually history records. These nations were worshiping the gods. They were receiving these codes of knowledge. They were building temples to them. They were centered around them. When Jesus came and he sent his gospel and the Holy Spirit into the nations, the entire system collapsed. An entire new era of history where we only worship the one God came to light and the knowledge of the teachings of the God of Israel was translated and published in all the languages of the world. So therefore we are in the story that this, this God commands. So, so these were not gods. They were fallen angels. That's how they presented themselves. And that's how the Bible understands them. So they had children with us. They gave us the codes of knowledge. They set up shop and God allowed this. That's why Satanists can say to Jesus that dominion over all the kingdoms of the earth has been given to me and i can give them to you if you worship me 
I, I will give them to you if you worship me. So dominion has been given to me over all the kingdoms of the world. He says, God allowed these beings to have dominion over the Greeks and the Romans, the Egyptians and the Persians, the Indians and the Chinese and the Mesoamericans. He allowed them to have that dominion and he chose Jacob as a way of initiating the protocol of redeeming the human race and giving us back our cosmic tale. Because this is what's interesting when you kind of fast forward to the end of the story and you go, where is all this going? Yeah. Well, at the end of the where story. Where are we right now? Where are we in this cosmic tale right now? We are, we are at the cusp of the transition from the age of empire to the messianic kingdom, to the kingdom of Christ. The spiritual, he has received the scepter of rule after his ascension when he presented himself to the temple of God at the heart of time and space. And that's, by the way, interesting because the way that the the Bible understands um, the topography of the universe, the word uses shemaim in the Hebrew and it's translated as uranus in the Greek. It means heavens. It's translated into heavens in English. It Shamayim means the sky where the birds fly. It also means the area right outside of the planet where the sun, the moon, and the stars are, and it also, and, and by extension, the universe. And finally, Shamayim refers to this place where the temple of God exists and God's presence. There are three heavens. The first heaven is the sky. The second heaven is the universe. The third heaven is where God's temple is. And this is called the heavens in the Bible. Mm. And then the, the rock upon which we stand is called the earth. So this is the heavens, the universe, the sky, and the temple at the heart of time and space. And the earth is where we stand. And these beings, all of them collectively, are called the host of the heavens. And we are called the host of the earth. And together, we're in a giant cosmic tale that the Bible reveals, which I am now trying to share with your audience. So basically, the story is that the earth is the birthplace of the immortal sons of God who have a destiny in the future of the universe. God is working through process and sequence. He's not instantaneously creating, even though there are moments of instantaneous creation, but he's more planting seeds in time and space and cultivating them. And one of the seeds that he's planted in time and space is the seed of the Adamic race, of the race of Adam. Because Adam in the Bible is the name of a race, not the name of a man. In English, Adam is the name of a man. But in like Hebrew or in Persian or in the Middle East, Adam just means human. That's how you say human. Because it was the, he was the first of a prototype of a kind of being. And I'm saying that God first created an image of these angels. That's why it's plural. And that's where all these guys were running around the earth. And then he created one in his own image that he put inside of the Garden of Eden. And when this guy was exiled, he mixed with the rest of them. And Noah and his boat had a sampling of both. And that's why it continued after the flood. But this is my personal theory. I can show it from the Bible. But again, you know, when you look at ancient things, you don't want to get too caught. You don't want to believe you figured it all out because it's just too old. But from then on, moving forward. So Adam was the first, and then throughout time, it's been diluted. Or well, mixed we are his things. children. We are his children. We are his carbon copies. I mean, if you look at this. But these fallen angels have mixed with us throughout yes. time. So we have the DNA of both. Or yes, and that's why we need a new body. That's why, that's, why we need a, that's why we mess up, right? The knowledge of good and evil is one thing, but our continuous um, you know, leaning towards you know, sin Right. comes from the defective nature of this thing we're stuck in. So mm. even though in our hearts we're like, I don't want to do this, but then we do it. 
And it's like, what? Just what? It's like there's two people inside of you, right? The duality, and, and yeah. This duality. So there's this part of us that's been corrupted, and that's the parable of wheat and tares. God, Jesus said that God planted His seed in the garden, and while He was sleeping, the devil came and planted His seed in the garden, and His seed became the tares, and God's seed became the wheat, and the wheat and tares intertwined until the end of the age, where God will send His angels to remove the tares and put them inside of the fire and burn them and store the wheats in the warehouse. And in Hebrew, the tares are genetically modified wheat, and tares look exactly like wheat until the time they flower. So the parable of the wheat and tares, the two seeds that went into the human race, I think go back. This parable is reflecting on this entire thing the Bible has presented to us, that, that these beings, you know, um, uh, injected themselves into the, into the race that was made, uh, at least Adam was made in the image of God and we were made in the image of Adam. So there was something divine about it. But us. these beings that, that intermingled with humanity, they weren't here, they... I guess what I'm trying to say is they weren't here first, right? They weren't like we, we didn't come and impose on their on their. No, no. the The earth was selected by God as a birthplace of those beings, us, who would grow up eventually. You see, the, the Bible says that at the end of the story, we are going to find ourselves inside of that temple at the heart of time and space. That's that's our home. That's where we're headed. And God will create a new heavens, this entire enchilada that we're inside of, a new heavens and a new earth, and that this heavenly Jerusalem, this temple, will become the Holy of Holies. Like, God will create a new heavens and a new earth, and when you kind of put this cube into it, the entire creation becomes a temple, a cosmic temple, where God's presence will exist everywhere. There are all these beings, and, and the Bible lists the number of beings, and they're always very, very high. I mean, look at how much variety there is on this planet. And we are going to be the image bearers of God under the king. We are going to bring God's instructions to this creation. It's going to be very fulfilling. We are curious beings. We're going to be continue to be curious. We'll be completely fulfilled in our curiosity and in the way God has created us. And this is our destiny. And, and, and Satan wanted this destiny for himself. He wanted to be worshipped, it says in the Bible, as the first principle of the creation. And he saw humanity as a competition. He decided to take us out, not by killing us, because then all the fingers would point to him, but by um, suggesting to Adam that he does something, or to Eve, that, he do, that she does something that will condemn the human race to death in God's own system. He tricked us. And it was his way of saying, these guys are going to teach us your laws. They can't even keep it themselves. And I think when Eve went for it, Adam, I think, knew that he shouldn't do this. He shouldn't take her advice. But I think he was in love. And he was like, on one hand, he was like, mm. I could stay on this side. She'll mm. get killed and we'll get separated from each other. Or she's a babe and I want to be with her. And I think that's, I think that I'm just looking back into his psychology i think that's what she was like a a seductress well i'm not sure she was like (laughs) evil or anything but i think he was in love you know yeah and he was like i'm going with her and and so Eve like the first jezebel i mean i don't know (laughs) well well, the, the the whole uh humanity is a carbon copy of each other that's why every generation has the same passions we have the same emotions, you know, the same behavior. We all go to wars. We have 
passions, we write poetry, we seek the truth, we have laws. We're just carbon copies of each other from generation to generation. And when you have kids, you see it really easily. You know, you look at your kids and they do the stuff that you do without you ever having told them anything. You're like, wow, I can't believe it. You know, the yeah. it really gets transmitted, right? So these guys fill the whole earth and then they get the humanity fills the whole earth. And then God focuses and God gives dominion over these beings. And when you look into the stories of the gods and you look into the book of Enoch, you see that angels are very different from the way that we imagine them in our looking at, let's say, the art of Michelangelo or Raffaello, you know, the Renaissance. They're these little uh, guys with feather wings. And, they, and, and, and in our culture, we have concluded that angels are creatures of magic. Like they don't need the laws of the universe, of the creation. Right. They, they can snap their fingers and do that. Stuff. Right. But actually in the biblical text and in this extra text, some that the Bible, you know, finds interesting, like the book of Enoch and others that is the born of these uh, nations and the libraries that they left with us. We can see that these beings actually, in reality, they're just, you know, more older, more advanced versions of like us in the sense that they also are inside of the creation. They are learning. They know more about the levers of what makes this universe function. And they corrupted the knowledge that humanity was going to operate through. We were going to have science. We were going to have architecture, but it wasn't for building temples to worship them. We were going to have metallurgy, but it wasn't to build idols and weaponry, which is what they taught us, it says in the book of Enoch. And it says that in the book of Genesis 2, in chapter 5, it lists before the flood, <clears throat> the knowledges that appeared. You know, it talks about, um, you know, where is it, Sarah, if I can find it quickly. Um, it, it's uh, yes, a male blessing, you know, actually father for 800 years. Enoch. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's in chapter four. Um, so Cain um, was intimate with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch and he was building a city. And this is not the Enoch that was taken up by God and who wrote the book of Enoch. This is an, an evil Enoch. But Cain uh, built a city, which means what? Which means he had the knowledge of architecture and geometry. And, and maybe it means other people are around. That's why he built a city. He doesn't, you don't build a city just for your wife and your newborn child, right? And he named the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Um, and then it says that uh, another one, the grandson, Lamech, took for himself two wives. Um, the name of one was Adad, and the name of the second was Zillah. And he's the first polygamist in the ancient Jewish uh, scholars who had some other texts from way back that gave a little bit more knowledge about these things. They say that there was an herb they would give a woman and she would become permanently infertile. And mm. so he took one wife. Birth, birth, first birth control. Yeah, exactly. He took one wife just for sex and the other for procreation. And these were this was the evil line. Um, and then the um, um, Ada and the name of the second was Zila. The first wife, Ada, gave birth to Jabal. He was the pioneer of tent dwellers with livestock. Oh. And tent dwelling was the beginning of what eventually became, you know, homes. But these tents were very elaborate. Like Abrahamic tents were like basically like a mansion. I mean, they were huge with like rooms. And you could get one wife on one side, another wife on the other side. His brother's name was uh, Jubal. He was the pioneer of all those who skillfully handle 
stringed instruments and wind instruments music and all of this by this line was used to worship the fallen angels they were making music to them to worship them this was all religious in in, in connotation azilla gave birth to tubal cain the forger of every kind of bronze and iron tools the first of the metallurgists and and we do we have found in the ancient mesopotamian tablets that there was a valley before the flood called the valley of metallurgists and this is mm-hmm. where this guy Tubal Cain, and, and, and what the Jewish scholars say is that, that the metallurgy that he was taught was to create idols. So this was the evil line of Cain. Everything was designed. This, But the point I'm trying to make is that we would have come up with, with metallurgy. We would have come up with architecture. But these guys perverted it in the direction of what became corrupted it. And that's how the, so after the flood, suddenly we see a huge change where instead of living in family clans, these guys come and they create priest kings. That's what we see in the, in the south of Iraq. There is a sudden and massive change. So like the middleman. Yeah, the middleman. They, 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 there's a sudden change in the way society is structured. And they create uh, these, they choose these guys who become kings and priests for them. They give them the architecture and of how to build these giant temples for them. And that architecture is the basis of mathematics. It was so complex. Is this also where secret societies were created? Um, secret societies were created, I would say, mainly after the time of Christ, because before that, these beings were open worship, uh, uh, were worshipped openly. Okay. After the Holy Spirit was given, they went underground. Uh, so after the Holy Spirit was given, they went underground, and that's where secret societies started. Yes, but their agenda wow. is the same. They still worship Satan. And their and and their 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 goal has been to to reestablish the pre-Diluvian glorious civilization of before the flood, to to bring back Atlantis. That has been always their dream, wow. from generation to generation. Why? Because the fallen angels they want to create a new race in their own image, destroy the plan of redemption of God, and continue their re- revolution into the heavens. But God has a plan for this planet to reestablish us as the beings we were originally designed to be. And that's why the book of Revelation puts us ultimately. This, this wraps up everything for me because that's also where the, you know, the conditioning is coming in right now. You see it happening with the, uh, um, the, the uh, transgender, trans this, trans that going into. Trans- yeah, let's talk about that. So, so the, to fast forward, the Bible talks about focuses on four empires we are at the end of the fourth empire. And what is supposed to happen in our time is the final confrontation between this, this, you know, angelic, fallen angelic world order and gods. And so it seems that starting in the late 1940s, when the UFO phenomenon appears, which is this angelic phenomenon, it's the evidence. The 40s, of like the Roswell incident. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and before that, Kenneth Arnold, but, but in the same, like 1947, basically. Yeah. There, there was this, there was these people, um, uh, what was his name? Um, Jack, I forget, I got to look him up, but he, he, would, he was a scientist who discovered the liquid fuel that allowed us to go into outer space. And he was an occultist he, with Alistair Crowley, right. who wrote this, you know, Satan worshiping book. And when you look at his book, by he the way, he was or he was not. He was, yeah, he was a Satan worshiper. Oh, he yeah. was. He was a, a student of Alistair Crowley. 
Yeah, yeah. He was okay, okay. He, he created a branch of an organization inspired from Asakot in California. And there they did all these experiments that was this to open a gateway, they said. And he said that the revelation of this jet fuel came to him during those rituals. And they were doing it over and over again. And actually where they did those rituals, um, there is right now one of the main NASA um, um, uh, or buildings because he created a company called Jet Proportion uh, Jet. If you look it up, G O uh, J O P. I can look it up at Jet Proportion, and that uh, company was incorporated into NASA and continues to build stuff for NASA. And it was built on the site of these experiments. And if you look at all the NASA missions, they bear the name of the gods, the you know, Apollo missions, the moon. Even the NASA symbology. I mean, yeah, yeah, NASA symbology. Um, even the uh, Armitus, Armitus, Artemis Accords, which are um, uh, put into effect by President Trump uh, to you know further uh, space exploration under U.S. leadership, Artemis and Apollo. Uh, you know these are the children of Zeus. So, so the, the Zeus in the Bible, I think, is one of the masks of Satan. Uh, even the name of the planets continue to bear the name of the gods. So the gods were the mask that the fallen angels wore mm. and they created empires and civilizations and ruled them and they gave knowledge to these civilizations. And this continues to our day. It, there was a break and the break was that God sent the Holy Spirit to the world and the story of the gospel and the story of redemption and the restoration of the human race and the cosmic tale and the king that he has chosen to to form a kingdom that will be eternal um, this is part of the plan of redemption because it seems that humanity's ultimate destiny is to be part of the government of the universe essentially that god is at this stage in the creation he's creating the structure that's going to oversee the rest of his creation and he himself will be the boss because Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He's actually, you know, the Godhead, and we will be under him as the children of God. We'll have intimacy with God. And I'm just saying that this, you know, giant story of the Bible, it seems that all the elements that lead to the fi grand finale are accounted for. That if you actually put the Bible in front of your eyes and examine history through it, all the pieces of the puzzle add up, which kind of tell us that, hey, wait, this is actually true. So God has never left us without direction or in darkness. Or We, we know what's going on on this planet. We know who these beings are. We know who we are. We know why we're here. We know where we came from. We know where we're going. We know what we're supposed to do right now. We know who God is. We can connect to him through Jesus and the Holy Spirit today and eventually in person when he returns in our new bodies. And finally, we'll be in the presence of the Father in the heavenly Jerusalem. This is this is all very real. This is not a religion. This is our story. This is the world you and I are living in. So when the Roman Empire expands after the fall of the Western Roman Empire, the new empire that rises out of Europe is an extension of the Roman Empire. And it leads all the way to the new world. The Celts take the Americas, like the, the Spanish-speaking people. The Germanics take the North, the French and the English. And so what we see here is that um, we are still in the Roman Empire. That's why we have the sign of the eagle. That's why we have senates. Uh, and, and that's why we function exactly the way these guys did. In fact, most of the laws of Europe are from Roman civil law. That's where it comes from. 
and the, the other infusion is church law, which carried the biblical law in it. These two, Roman law and church law, came together to form the basis of European law. English law draws from the Commonwealth system of law. Um, so the, the, the whole idea of the world that it was hatched with, with, through a connection between these beings who set up their priests and kings over the nations, God set up Israel and gave his laws. And then as, as the gospel poured out into the world, there was a time of reprieve where God put us, allowed these beings to go down in influence and his gospel preached. But at the end of the age, God said that he would, he would call Israel back to the land that he gave them. And that happened in 1947, the same year that these beings appeared in the heavens, a sign, a prophetic sign was given on the earth that we have entered into what is called the birth pang years, which is the birth pangs of the transition of the age of empire to the kingdom of Christ have begun. We are in the birth pangs of the birthing of a new age of history. That's where we are right now. We're at the any idea or timeline when this will be complete? <laughs> yeah, um, the timeline. We don't have exact times. We have signs to look for. So the next thing on the agenda is that God allows these guys to come to power and form a final empire. They haven't had an empire for a long time. They've tried several times in the past 2,000 years, but it hasn't taken. They've been regional powers. The it Roman looks like empire, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. And, and, and the clue, the reason it's happening is because of a spiritual change in our, uh, in our world, in the West, starting with the fall of Europe. And now, you know, America held the longest, but it seems that um, the culture has turned its heart away from God. And this has opened the portal, a gate that has allowed these beings to exert more influence. And that brings us to the changes you mentioned with gender and morality and laws. The, the, it's pushing away God's view and bringing about God's creation. God's creation and the worldview of the Bible and bringing a new worldview into place. Because the Antichrist is not going to come to a world that doesn't know God. Obviously, the whole world now knows about God. But he's going to come to a world that no longer is following God and has had their perception altered. Like an, alien, Christ, like an alien savior. I think that that's how they're preparing us for that. They kind of created the idea of we're in the cosmos and not in God's you know, version of reality in the heavens and the earth. And then they reinvented themselves as characters of the secular universe, um, namely Darwinian aliens. And, and so the fallen angels are rebranding. They're no longer the gods. They're now the new gods, the fallen the, the aliens. And since in the Bible, the angels use vehicles. They're called the chariots in English, but the Hebrew word means vehicle, literally, rechev. And so the angels have this. We see Elijah is taken up in one. We see that they, they exist at Mount Sinai, the chariots of God. It says, but the word could also be the chariots of angels are thousands, tens of thousands. It says in the book of Psalms at Sinai when God gave the law. So um, it's possible for these beings to recast themselves and the angels, the coming kingdom of God as an alien invasion because actually the angelic world has these vehicles to go from one realm to the other. These barriers of the heavens from the temple to the second heaven to the, to, to the first heaven where we are, they are they don't just you know appear out of blue it seems that they actually use vehicles and even when elijah is taken up to the third heaven to the presence of god being a man of the northern tribes of israel 
he needs to get into one of these chariots of fire, it says, and horses of fire, and be taken there. This is how it works. We don't make up the rules. We can only document it. God could have created this magical beings that they just go like this with their fingers and a portal opens and they go through. But he chose also to include these vessels, heavenly craft called them. And that's why it's possible for these guys to change our perspective in the direction of science fiction, in the direction of science, uh, the scientific view of the world with Darwin and, and the idea of the universe and rebrand not only themselves, but the uh, coming of Jesus and his angels and to rally the world. So what we're expecting next, now that Israel has started to come back to the land and form the nation and taken Jerusalem, in 1967 that was very important because the prophetic picture that the bible paints involves the city of jerusalem at the as the contended heart of events that leads to the second coming and that could have not happened until 1967 because jerusalem was left abandoned in 70 a.d and it was only reactivated in 1967 as a city inhabited once again by the jewish commonwealth so this made the prophecy of the bible come true um, when we look at the modern-day UFO phenomenon, we see that the heart of it is the creation of hybrids. And this is important because we know from the Bible that hybrids have been created throughout the ages. And we know this from the writings of other nations and the oral traditions. And the reason it's important is because we were told that the final age of history, the end of it, would be like the days of Noah. And that's what the days of Noah were. Jesus said it would be like the days of Noah. And we know that it says in the book of Revelation that there are these angels that are imprisoned in the earth from the days before the flood that they're going to be released. Four of them are in the river Euphrates. They're going to be released. God is using, it seems, the tectonic plate of the earth as prisons. They're going to be released. Um, So that, again, is like the days of Noah. These beings come back to power. And there's an important prophecy that God gives the king of Babylon about the empires of the world and he says there's going to be four empires from your time and so babylon medo persia greece and rome and at the end of the roman empire where we are now it says that they will mingle their seeds it says in the bible they will mingle their seeds with the seed of man and the hebrew plural pronoun is used so they are masculine these sons of god and and what we're seeing today is the rise of these hybrids. That's what's being documented by Dr. Jacobs from Temple University or Johnny Mack, the head of psychiatry at Harvard. These very intelligent you know, people are documenting to their own surprise that this is real. People are being abducted and hybrids are being created. So we're definitely seeing an uptick in this phenomenon and our age. That's another sign. And we see that there's a bloodline that has been throughout history of these beings. They have been part of the ruling families of the world. So the final 10 kings of the earth, there's going to be 10 kings. They're going to rise. And right now, we're at that cusp of that part of the story. They're going to create a world order, which I think will be uh, rooted in the industrial powers from Russia to D.C. and connected to the ancient empires of the Middle East. And then from this world order will rise the Antichrist. And I think the Antichrist, it says that he is going to make lying signs and wonders. He's going to make fire come from the sky. I think he's going to make that alien connection that you're saying, you know, and he's going to say, look, I'm connected with the good guys and they're going to give us problem uh, solutions to the environment and uh, um, poverty and other things. They're going to help us through. 
but there is these bad guys and that's how he's going to cast the second coming as, as the bad guys and rally the kings of the earth against the anointed one of God like it says in the prophecies of the Bible as old as the writings of King David which were written 3,000 years ago like Psalm chapter 2. So this is the story but why are we in this crazy story? Because of who we are. Because we are the children of the one who has made the image of God. Because this is, you know, there's all these ways you can verify the knowledge of the Bible. We don't have to always follow the roadmap of the university system that says, wait, is there any evidence that this caveman yeah. was made in the image of this angel? No, but there is an ev- but there's overwhelming evidence that the story of the Bible adds up over and over again. Archaeology has discovered the most ancient cities. The prophecies come true. The places are real. Um, the the connection with God does happen when you go through Jesus. So, so there's so many ways to verify the information. So when these guys took over the nations, they created worldviews for the people of the world in order to, um, you know, make them worship them and, and, and they lie to them. And they created competing worldviews to the Bible. When God came through his son and he sent the Holy Spirit to the nations, these guys reinvent themselves. So the secret societies, like you're saying, and the secret societies. So in the West... So Jesus Christ was like the dividing factor. Like that was like what made them have to reinvent their entire game. They had to go underground. And so they attacked from... from Okay, so they attacked in different ways after the time of Christ. They created false religions that, you know, in the ancient world, it was it was many of them, they wanted to be worshipped, so they were the gods. But now with Jesus, the knowledge of the one God was brought back to, because God said to Abraham that his seed would be a blessing to the families of the earth. And these families were scattered at the Tower of Babel. It's a story that you'd have to read. But God scattered the nations, and God said that he would bless them through Abraham. And so when Jesus came, he became a blessing to the families of the earth and recalled them back to the worship of God. And offered us a new body. So he's he's undoing all the things that happened that in the fallen world. He's forgiving us from what happened in the Garden of Eden and giving us life back. He's giving us a new body that cures us from this intrusion. And he's calling back all the families of the earth to the worship of the one God, which were the three pillars of what led to the fallen world. The, and so when he comes back and he does this, um, these guys have to change their game. And so they reinvent themselves in the guise of monotheism. I hate to say it, but the crescent of the moon is one of the symbol of these gods that we have unearthed in the Middle East more than any other. The moon god had temples everywhere. And so out of Arabia in the 7th century, we see the religion of the moon god arise. And it proclaims a different gospel than the one that the Lord is proclaiming and presents an alternative view of God to the human race. And, and supported by these spiritual forces that are behind it, it conquers the Greek and Persian world and creates the Islamic world. And then covers mm-hmm. the Holy Land with its influence because the two... Oh, the Islamic world is derived from this. Well, not the world, but the religion. The religion, exactly. I mean, sorry. Yeah, because people are people everywhere, right? I, I meant the Islamic religion, sorry. Like the people are people everywhere. They're just born into a reality. You're born here, somebody's born someplace else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are people. But the world views that are over the human race, they come or from the fallen angels or they come. And then you have, of course, Hinduism, and that is another worldview of the gods. But everything else fell to the onslaught of the Holy Spirit. In the West, starting in the 18th century, we see the rise of socialism, of communism, but also of secularism. 
So it's the process of then creating these secret societies in the university system and re-educating the Judeo-Christian world through it. So gradually people are taught an alternative view of reality. Like we were talking with Gordon Child saying, you know, hunter-gatherers became farmers and created civilization instead of how the Bible says it was all done. That humanity was handed down knowledge, just divided, you know, the nations from Israel, etc. So the secularism is a deceptive religion because it pretends that it's not a religion. The other ones actually have an alternative system of worship. Hinduism, Islam, this one says, no, this one says, we are, don't believe in religion, we believe in science. We're just going to, you know, measure things. And of course, we're not competing with religion because we're just looking at science. Right. But actually, this science gradually becomes a religion. The doctors become That's religion. where we're at now. That's where we are now because we're going back to the days before the flood where these guys gave the knowledge of pharmaceuticals to us, of chemistry to us. Um, uh, uh, science our... is the religion now. That is the religion. Yes. That is the world religion. And that's how they're bringing it in with, and I have to be careful how I say this, but, you know, climate change, uh, the whole thing, that's yes. all based on yes. their science, that's their it. religion. So they're trying to, now, in the West, that's what they've created for us. So we have these um, um, entire veils of thought that they impose on the civilizations. In the middle of all of this oh, is... Wow is these beings who, who are the children of God and the word of God has gone out to us. And when you receive it, you receive the spirit that protects you. You get a deeper connection to God. And then your mind opens up to the, to the holy book where God has encoded secret knowledge that is only available to those who have this light. And you know, that's the Holy Spirit gives you discernment into the Bible. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's one of its main purposes. So, you suddenly understand the true history of the earth and now you look outside and you see that in a way what i'm describing and all the pieces of the puzzle come together so this is actually the story of the bible is the story that you and i are in so you and i are the children of god have, have the potential of becoming that and to buying for ourselves by by by, by taking that uh, pledge of allegiance to jesus the king of kings to to buy for ourselves a place I mean, he's bought it for ourselves but we accept the gift from him or we get the gift of an eternal life, but in a story that will continue first on earth for a thousand years, one of the ages of, of human his, history is the messianic kingdom. He will rule out of the city of Jerusalem for a thousand years. And when he returns, he's going to give those who are his a new body and give them a position in the government that he's going to establish here. But the billions of others who survived this apocalypse, they're going to go in to his kingdom and I guess get to know God. I guess I don't know how it's going to work for them there, but there's going to be a thousand year rule. At the end of the thousand years, the father himself arrives. The people who already have these eternal bodies and have accepted the Lord enter into heavenly Jerusalem. Everybody else who's ever lived and everybody, I guess, who lived and died during the kingdom of Christ comes back to life. And whoever their name is not written in the book of life is destroyed forever. And the ones whose name are written in the book of life are added to the people who already have these immortal bodies. And then we are all invited in heaven in Jerusalem where we begin the next stage of our history as those who serve God at the helm of the creation. This is the story of earth. So where we are now is the fall of um, the Judeo-Christian world on a, on a mass level. I mean, there's there's people that believe everywhere in all the countries of the world, but as, as a structure. As a whole. The as a whole. Yeah, it's wow. mainly Europe has already fallen 
a while back, but essentially we're witnessing the fall of, uh, I'm sad to say, the Christianity of America. Yeah. And I, I and, can see that plain as day. I mean, yeah, most, America is the last bastion. They're attacking, they're attacking Catholic, Catholicism, Christianity, the whole thing. And the people, most importantly, are turning their hearts away from the yeah. lifestyle. Right. Into they're a starting to believe in science. They're the they're believing that, in all yeah. kinds of things. Materialism. It's been the other generations, man. I mean, it's all being taught. The mighty dollar. Yeah, materialism and science and just pleasure and, and all that stuff. Just do it your own way. And so yeah, we're our own gods. That's the big we're one. We're our own gods. We're yeah. our own gods. I mean, that that's a, that's all I hear now. Well, we, you were, you're your own god. Don't you know? Yeah. Oh, it's not, right? So yeah. this is this is the fall of this, and this is going to the only way to stop this is 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 mass repentance because. But if it's God's just, will, there's no way to stop it. It's just gonna right, happen. right. That's true, mm-hmm. but you know, we, we have we can we have to choose the right thing. So the 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 solution is to to say have repentance, and why? Because we are spiritual beings in a spiritual story, not because it's a religious thing. This is actually the story we're in. Repentance is a uh, mechanism of the universe in which we live in. It's not a religious thing. It's it's one of the options available. Like when you're thirsty, you drink water. You know, when you're sick, you take a medicine, etc. When this this disease requires turning to God, and that's what repentance is: is turning back to the Father, like the story of the prodigal son. That would change America and would change the world. But at this point, if that doesn't happen, then we're headed to the rise of these 10 kings. And I think this will require the economic, uh, an economic collapse. And I well, think that's that... I mean, we're in the middle of it now, it seems like. so. It seems like it has already started. It's all, everything's starting. Everything's the inflation, starting. Um, you know, the, the, the money printing. But that doesn't mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop fighting. I'm going to continue fighting all the way through. And it doesn't mean that God won't see you through it because he does see people through floods and furnaces and all kinds of things. But it's not about the fact that we won't individually be provided for. It just means that this is where we are in the in the story of the game of empires. In the cosmic in, tale. In the cosmic tale. So we're going to see the rise of these ten kings. We're going to see the rise of the Antichrist. We're going to see the, a third world war. We're going to see Jerusalem become the middle of contention, especially the Temple Mount. And we're going to see the second coming and the birth of a new age of history. Because this is the final, the finale of a tale that began in the Garden of Eden, of a tale that began in the plains of Shinar of Mesopotamia. After we are the in the final finale. We are in, we the, are in the final finale of the Age of Empire and the wow. beginning of the Messianic Kingdom. And for the past 2,000 years, we've entered the Messianic Age. That's why Jesus has received the scepter of rule. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And until his enemies are made a footstool for him, that's what it says in the book of Psalms, and it's repeated many times in the New Testament. So what we're seeing here is um, an age of inauguration. Where it's like the final push. The king is being presented to all the nations. Right. A portion of the Jewish people were blinded to his true identity so that a portion of the people from all the other countries and nations could receive him and be invited into this messianic kingdom with Israel. Once all the people have... Are, whose names are you know God is who knows what he who he has. Once everyone is 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 accounted for, a new phase of this story will begin, which is the rise of this kingdom, and the rise of the Antichrist. And this is the beginning of the judgment. God will allow these fallen angels to come out of their prison, four of them. And there's also another demonic um, uh, influence in the Book of Revelation, where out of this you know ground these 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 demons arise. And, and these guys are going to have these human hybrids, kings, 
um, as the ten nations, the ten kings are hybrids. It says that in the Bible um, because it, it talks about the commingling of seeds in Daniel chapter 2. And it says that from the commingling of seeds will rise these ten kings. So these ten kings are hybrids. They have the spirit um, of, of these fallen angels over them. They have the lordship of these beings over them. And now we see the, the, the UFO phenomenon is going to gather in popularity. Hollywood is instructing everybody. There's soft disclosure. This is going to gather and become more and more. This is the presence of these of the good guys. They're behind the world system. They're giving us knowledge the way they did. I mean, this is why. We got to be more important. like them. We got to aspire to be like them. Yeah, yeah it's all coming. Are you see the Fox News, the UFOs, the CNN. Yeah. They're yeah, pushing yeah. it, pushing it. They're pushing, pushing it. it, they're pushing it, right? And and the whole um, idea, uh, the reason I brought up the Nazis was because the knowledge that came, see, what, what led to the Nazis was a massive spiritual change among the German people. They completely turned to the worship of the ancient gods and to what is called spiritualism. They, they said, okay, you know what? We're going to open our minds and hearts to this. And that led to revelation, which gave birth to this advanced armament then this advanced armament is they're arming us for the war of angels they're arming us for armageddon and we're going to continue to have leaps forward in the knowledge of our armament because the world of god and angels see we humans are part of the world of god and angels the angels are operating in the kinds of knowledge that we're operating in we are of the world of god and angels our our mythological assumptions of the world of god and angels is obstructing us from seeing the actual reality of the world of God and angels. We have a fairy tale version that comes from medieval Christianity where we've turned these beings into magical beings and we have turned them into the paintings of these Renaissance masters. Mm -hmm. Even our Hollywood movies, even Netflix will continue to propagate this a painting view like they're, they're the giant men with like big bird like yeah, wings right but actually in the bible and in these other writings these beings are functioning and notice notice how they're coming out with these these uh mo- you know movies like thor and i yeah, mean they're just yeah, exactly. of speed, avengers and they're, they're they're programming us for the rise of these masters these overlords. yeah that's right so god said that he would allow them one final you know empire and and this empire lasts for seven years, but the worst of it is only three and a half years. That's when this guy becomes a cult leader. It says that he will um, ask to be worshipped above all that is called God. It says that mm-hmm. in the writings of Paul in the New Testament, that he will be asked to be worshipped above all that is called God, mm-hmm. and that he will then destroy even the old religions of the gods that have you know, uh, been able to govern these empires. Uh, uh, there are seven empires in the Bible, um, yeah. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. They have a woman who rides the beast. And this woman who rides the beast is the worldview that came out of Babylon, which is the religion of these beings that has been over us. And it's into this that Christ and the Holy Spirit spoke and delivered us from it from the bondage to the gods you know that's how the jews were delivered through the passover lamb from bondage to the gods of egypt now the passover lamb freed all the nations from the bondage to these beings but but god is allowing these guys to make a comeback at the end of the age because it's the time of their judgment he's bringing Mm. them out to purge the earth from them and as they act Ah, they they fall under judgment 
And it's the time of our redemption and the healing of the earth and the restoration of the planet. We're going to enter into a utopia and an age of peace, and we're going to have a place. But it's not going to be their utopia, what they're trying to promote right now. It's that's not- right. It's, that's why the Antichrist means the pseudo-Messiah. It means instead of Christ. It means it doesn't just mean against Christ. It also means instead. It's the alternative. Gotcha. They're like, no, no, no. Don't believe in this version of reality. Right. We've got our own. And, and so we're in. We're in for some tough times, man. This is the, this is picking up speed. And it, it's, but you know what? Climax. You're right. It's tough times. But I can't deny that. But I believe that we, are, you and I specifically, us who are living in this age, we are designed for this time genetically we our minds our hearts our abilities our skills we are made for this time it's it's we're not going to be overwhelmed we are going to be able to live through it and even thrive right and uh. and and the spirit of god will fortify us from inside uh, like the candlestick that shines brightest in darkness i mean uh, so so this is going to be the time of the so really this is our time this, this is our time this is our time you and this, this is what we're made for and that's why this knowledge is coming out of the Bible. Like, you know, when we speak about the Bible in the way that you and I are speaking about it, and you think, well, why is it that the previous generations of Christianity, why is it that you don't hear this from the pulpits of people who go to seminary and all that stuff? Because this knowledge was hidden until our generation. The gods, the giants, the spaceships, the vessels, uh, the final prophecies. No other generation of Christians understood this stuff like we do. Until Why? right now, yeah. Because God is opening our mind because he's like, guys, you need to understand what's going on. And artificial intelligence and all that these guys are going to use to create their final empire and the mark of the beast that this guy is going to give us this mark. And he says, whoever takes it is cut off from God permanently, so you can't take it. But it says that whoever doesn't have this mark can neither buy, sell, or do commerce, which means... That's coming. I mean, we see it knocking on the door. We see it knocking this on the like door. This is like the first test, I think. Don't I, I, was just, I, I was just watching that the weirdo, uh, Carl Schwab. Yeah. You know, he's, he's really like, you know, this Bond villain. And yeah. it's, 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 it's funny how he doesn't see it himself he doesn't realize i think how how like villainous he looks with his german right. accent and his dad was a nazi and and you know and he's like i was just watching him and he was saying in this french television show he apparently also speaks french he he was saying you know what we're going to do is the wearables are going to be a stepping stone to the implants and and he and he was saying you know first you're going to have this you're going to wear this stuff on you like and then we're going to put it in your body and he's and he's got other people working for him that are out saying this it's going to measure your health and all kinds of great things so we're headed towards that but it's going to be the final the thing phone already years. does that the phone measures yes. how many steps i take a day my heart rate i mean everything i mean the phone is like another piece of us it's it's connected to us it's an extension totally. Totally. And I mean, so like next, people are going to have, of course, the generation after us is going to be like, yeah, just implant it in me. It's much easier. It's going fast. It's going so fast. I think that, That's happening I think, now. Yeah, it's happening. I think by the time this empire comes to its peak, you and I might be, you know, older septuagenarians, but um, they're, they're, the wearables and the implants, they're already talking about it. And this guy is going to utilize this technology to create his mark. And that's the last three and a half years. Because if okay. Satan plays the role of the father in this unholy trinity and the Antichrist plays the role of the son, this technology plays the role of the Holy Spirit. It connects us to him and to his father. 
right, in a very real way. So they're trying to duplicate the things of God. It's a counterfeit. If right. I were to, it's a counterfeit kingdom. And if, through genetics, they may even tell us that they can prolong our lives. Because yes. that's the main thing that you God offers, immortality. Yeah. And, and let's take, you know, how God takes away our, our old body and gives us one that's, that's, that's in harmony with his ways, you know, doesn't have the glitch. Well, these guys are going to tell us we can cure your, your, your diseases through genetics. We can prolong your life. We can heal right. your bodies. You know, it's, it's all about a counterfeit kingdom and a counterfeit king. So this story that began when Noah and his sons settled in the south of Iraq, where civilization began, according to anthropologists and, 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 and um, um, archaeologists, it also began there according to the Bible. That story led us through a series of empires. That story led us through these beings being over the empires and, and led us to the story of Israel, the coming of the Messiah, to the sending of the gospel and the Holy Spirit, and to eventually the time where God would call Israel back to the land and initiate the final age of history. And that's when these UFOs appeared in 1947. That's when Israel became a nation. And that's when the world accelerated technologically because it's getting ready for the final empire and the confrontation with the coming of Son of God and his angels. And we are living in that time. And last word, we have, we have to take hold of our identity. Their main thing, you know when the Nazis took the Jews to their concentration camps, yeah. the first thing they did, they erased their identities and, get, and gave them a number. You know, because their identity was dangerous because they had a prophetic destiny that Satan was trying to erase. That's why the Third Reich was supposed to be a 1,000 year rule with all this massive technological weapons they had. They were, they were already creating, you know, plans for, I mean, you should see this movie. It's incredible. Like it's, it's like Hitler, you know, coming to North America. They're already creating, there was huge amounts of Nazi support in the United States. Yeah. They were getting ready to take over the world. Even, even the death of John F. Kennedy, they say, goes back to, to these guys. So basically we, we, they were, they were getting ready to take over the world and to establish a 1000 year rule to compete with the 1000 year rule prophesied kingdom of Christ. Yeah, and the crazy. reason, the reason they were killing the Jews was because they have to get rid of the ones whose destiny fulfills prophecies that move the entire world forward into the messianic kingdom. All of this anti-Semitism and hatred of the Jews has to do with breaking the word of God. So we are the sons of God and we are headed to a new age of history and we have to take hold of that identity, take hold of the truth and take hold of the kingship of Jesus Christ. Beautiful. Ollie, um, we'll, we'll, we'll cut it there. <laughs> this is long. This is good. This is really good. My audience should love this. This will go up on YouTube tomorrow. Um, Perfect. Ali, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to call this the cosmic tale. Does that sound good? Can I just uh, invite people to join me? Or is it the, to, to, so guys, if you want to know more about me, my website is thinkagainproductions.com. You can watch my documentary there, UFOs, Angels, and Gods. Leave a donation if you do, it's free by clicking the donate button at the bottom. You can sign up for the newsletter by putting your email and inform, inform us, uh, stay informed, sorry, stay informed. And join my patron group, support me and I'll teach you. The patron group is patron.com slash thinkagainproductions. You join any price you want. I don't have a tier system, just just according, however God has blessed you, bless me with it. And I have a series there, an audio series, a verse by verse series, the book of Revelation. You don't want to miss that. It's incredible. I'm I'm creating it and it's blowing my mind. It's going to blow your mind too. 
Ali, thank you so much. You're always welcome here. I'd love to have you on again. So I learned a lot today. And I, I tell you what, it was like everything wrapped up into a nutshell, the cosmic tale, the best we could do it, the best we could deliver it to the audience. I think you did a magnificent job. So thank you very much, Ali. The cosmic tale, folks, this is it. Go see Ali Seyaratan, thinkagainproductions.com. Um, thank you, Ali, so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Nino. God bless. God bless you. Till next time. Bye.